welcome to a half hour of Mind Webs, short stories from the worlds of speculative fiction. This is Michael Hansen. On this edition of Mindweb's, Carol Cowan joins me for a reading of Ray Bradbury's The Velt, copyright 1950 by the Curtis Publishing Company. George, I wish you'd look at the nursery. Uh, what's wrong with it, Lydia? I don't know. Well, what do you mean? I, I, I just want you to look at it, is all. Oh, uh, call a psychologist in to look at it. Well, what would a psychologist want with a nursery? Well, you know very well what he'd want. It's just that the nursery's different now than it was. Well, all right. Let's go and have a look. They walked down the hall of their soundproofed, happy life home, the house which clothed and fed and rocked them to sleep and played and sang and was good to them. Their approach sensitized a switch somewhere, and the nursery light flicked on when they came within ten feet of it. Similarly, behind them in the halls, lights went on and off as they left them behind with a soft automaticity. They stood on the thatched floor of the nursery. It was 40 feet across by 40 feet long and 30 feet high. It cost half again as much as the rest of the house. But nothing's too good for the children, George had said. The nursery was silent. It was empty as a jungle glade at hot high noon. The walls were blank and two-dimensional. Now, as George and Lydia Hadley stood in the center of the room, the walls began to purr and recede into crystalline distance, it seemed, and presently an African veldt appeared in three dimensions, on all sides, in color, reproduced to the final pebble and bit of straw. The ceiling above them became a deep sky with a hot yellow sun. Well, let's get out of this sun. This, this is a little too real, but I, I don't see anything wrong. Wait a moment. Just, just wait. You'll see. Now the hidden odorophonics were beginning to blow a wind of odor at the two people in the middle of the baked veldtland. The hot straw smell of lion grass, the cool green smell of the hidden water hole, the great rusty smell of animals, the smell of dust like a red paprika in the hot air. And now the sounds, the thump of distant antelope feet on grassy sod, the papery rustling of vultures. See, see, there are the lions. Far over, that way. You see, now, now they're on their way to the water hole. See, they, they, they've just been eating. I, I don't know what. Oh, some animal, Lydia. Zebra, baby giraffe, maybe. Are you sure? No, it's a little late to be sure. Nothing over there I can see but cleaned bone and the vultures digging for what's left. Well, did, did you hear the scream? No. Uh, about a minute ago. Oh, sorry, Lydia, it didn't hurt. The lions were coming, and again George Hadley was filled with admiration for the mechanical genius who had conceived this room. A miracle of efficiency, selling for an absurdly low price. Every home should have one. Oh, occasionally they frightened you with their clinical accuracy. They startled you, gave you a twinge, but, but most of the time, what fun for everyone. Not only your own son and daughter, but for yourself, when you felt like a quick jaunt to a foreign land, a quick change of scenery. Well, here it was. 
And here were the lions now, 15 feet away, so real, so feverishly and startlingly real that you could feel the prickling fur on your hand. And your mouth was stuffed with a dusty, upholstery smell of their heated pelts. And the yellow of them was in your eyes like the yellow of an exquisite French tapestry. The yellows of lions and summer grass and the sound of the matted lion lungs exhaling on the silent noontide and the smell of meat from the panting, dripping mouths. The lion stood looking at George and Lydia Headley with terrible green-yellow eyes. The lions came running at them. Lydia bolted and ran. Instinctively, George sprang after her outside in the hall with the door slammed. He was laughing, and she was crying, and they both stood appalled at the other's reaction. You almost caught us. Oh, walls, Lydia. Remember, crystal walls, that's all they are. Oh, they look real, I must admit. African, your parlor. But it's all dimensional, super reactionary, super sensitive color film and mental tape film behind glass screens. It's all order of phonics and sonics, Lydia. I'm afraid. Did you see? Did you feel? It's too real. Oh, now, Lydia. You've got to tell Wendy and Peter not to read anymore on Africa. Oh, all right, of course. Of... Lock the nursery for a few days until I get my nerves settled. Lock it. You know how difficult Peter is about that. When I punished him a month ago by locking the nursery for just a few hours, that tantrum he threw, and Wendy also, they'd live for the nursery. It's got to be locked. That's all there is to it. Well, all right. Reluctantly, he locked the huge door. You've been working too hard, Lydia. You need a rest. No. I don't know. Maybe I don't have enough to do. Maybe, maybe I have time to think too much. Why don't we shut off the whole house for a few days and take a vacation? But I thought that's why we bought this house, so we wouldn't have to do anything. That's just it. I, I feel like I don't belong here. The house is wife and mother now, and nursemaid. Can I compete with the African felt? Can I give a bath or scrub the children as efficiently or as quickly as the automatic scrub bath can? I cannot. And it, it, it isn't just me. It's you. You've been awfully nervous lately. You, you look as if you you didn't know what to, to do with your yourself in this house either. You smoke a little more every morning, and you drink a little more every afternoon, and need a little more sedative every night. You're beginning to feel unnecessary, too. Am I? Oh, George. Those lions can't get out of there, can they? He looked at the door and saw it tremble as if something had jumped against it from the other side. No, no, they can't get out. Of course not. At dinner, they ate alone, for Wendy and Peter were at a special plastic carnival across town and had televised home to say they'd be late, so go ahead and eat. And George Hadley, bemused, sat watching the dining room table produce warm dishes of food from its mechanical interior. As for the nursery, thought George Hadley, it won't hurt for the children to be locked out of it for a while. Too much of anything isn't good for anyone. And it was clearly indicated that the children had been spending a little too much time in Africa. That sun, he could feel it on his neck still like a hot paw. And the lions, and the smell of blood. 
Remarkable how the nursery caught the telepathic emanations of the children's minds and created life to fill their every desire. The children thought lions, and there were lions. The children thought zebras, and there were zebras. Sun, sun, giraffes, giraffes, death, and death. At last, he chewed tastelessly on the meat that the table had cut for him. Death thoughts. They were awfully young, Wendy and Peter, for death thoughts. Or no, you were never too young, really. Long before you knew what death was, you were wishing it on someone else. When you were two years old, you were shooting people with cap pistols. But this, the long, hot African veldt, the awful death in the jaws of a lion, and repeated again and again. Preoccupied, George let the lights glow softly on ahead of him, extinguish behind him as he padded to the nursery door. He listened against it, far away, a lion roared. He unlocked the door and opened it. Just before he stepped inside, he heard a faraway scream and then another roar from the lions which subsided quickly. He stepped into Africa. How many times in the last year had he opened this door and found Wonderland, Alice, the Mock Turtle, or Aladdin and his magical lamp, or Jack Pumpkinhead of Oz, or Dr. Doolittle, or the cow jumping over a very wheel appearing moon? All the delightful contraptions of a make-believe world. How often had he seen Pegasus flying in the sky ceiling, or seen fountains of red fireworks, or heard angel voices singing? But now, this yellow, hot Africa, this bake oven with murder in the heat, Perhaps Lydia was right. Perhaps they needed a little vacation from the fantasy which was growing a bit too real for ten-year-old children. It was all right to exercise one's mind with gymnastic fantasies, but when the lively child mind settled on one pattern, it seemed that at a distance for the past month he had heard lions roaring and smelled their strong odor seeping as far away as a study door, but being busy, he had paid it no attention. George Hadley stood on the African grassland alone. The lions looked up from their feeding, watching him. The only flaw to the illusion was the open door through which he could see his wife far down the dark hall, like a framed picture eating her dinner abstractedly. George told the lions, Go away! They did not go. He knew the principle of the room exactly. You sent out your thoughts. Whatever you thought would appear. Well, let's have Aladdin and his lamp. The Veltland remained. The lions remained. Come on, room. I demand Aladdin. Nothing happened. The lions mumbled in their baked pelts. Aladdin! He went back to dinner. Uh, fool room's out of order. It won't respond. Or... Or, or what? Or it can't respond. Because the children have thought about Africa and... lions and... killing... So many days that the room's in a rut. Oh, it could be. Well, Peter said it to remain that way. Said it? Well, he may have gotten into the machinery and, and fixed something. Peter doesn't know machinery. He's wise. He's a wise one for ten. That IQ of oh, his... Oh, nevertheless. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. How are you doing? The Hadleys turned... Wendy and Peter were coming in the front door, cheeks like peppermint candy, eyes like blue agate marbles, a smell of ozone on their jumpers from their trip in the helicopter. Well, come and tell us about the nursery. Nursery? Why? All about Africa and, and everything. I don't understand. Well, your mother and I were just traveling through Africa. 
there's no Africa in the nursery. Oh, come now, Peter. We know better. I don't remember any Africa, do you, Wendy? No. Well, run see and come tell. Wendy, come back here. But she was gone. The house lights followed her like a flock of fireflies. Too late, George realized he had forgotten to lock the nursery door after his last inspection. Wendy will look and, and come tell us. She doesn't have to tell me. I, I've seen it. Uh, I'm sure you're mistaken, Father. I'm not, Peter. Now come along now. But Wendy was back. It's not Africa. We'll see about this. And they all walked down the hall together and opened the nursery door. There was a green, lovely forest, a lovely river, a purple mountain, high voices singing, and Rima, lovely and mysterious, lurking in the trees with colorful flights of butterflies like animated bouquets lingering in her long hair. The African veldtland was gone. The lions were gone. Only Rima was here now, singing a song so beautiful that it brought tears to your eyes. George Headley looked at the changed scene. Go to bed, he said to the children. They went off to the air closet where wind sucked them like brown leaves up the flue to their slumber rooms. George Hadley walked through the singing glade and picked up something that lay in the corner near where the lions had been. He walked slowly back to his wife. What's that? That's an old wallet of mine. He showed it to her. The smell of hot grass was on it and the smell of a lion. There were drops of saliva on it. It had been chewed and there were blood smears on both sides. He closed the nursery door and locked it tight. In the middle of the night, he was still awake, and he knew his wife was awake. Do you think Wendy changed it? Um, of course. Made it from a felt into a forest and put Rima there instead of lions? Yeah. Why? Um, I don't know, but it's staying locked until I find out. How did your wallet get in there? I don't know anything except that I'm beginning to be sorry we bought the room for the children. If children are neurotic at all, a room like that... It's supposed to help them work off their neuroses in a healthful way. I'm starting to wonder. We've given the children everything they ever wanted. Is this our reward? Secrecy? Disobedience? Who said it was? Who was it said children are carpets, Lydia? They should be stepped on occasionally. And we've never lifted a hand. They're, they're insufferable, let's admit it. They come and they go when they like. They treat us as if we were offspring. They're, they're spoiled, spoiled, we're spoiled. Well, they've been acting funny ever since you forbade them to go take that rocket to New York a few months ago. They're not old enough to do that, I told them. Well, nevertheless... I've noticed they've been decidedly cool towards us since then. I think I'll have David McLean come over tomorrow morning to have a look at Africa. <laughs> but it's not Africa now. It's Green Mansions country in Rima. Well, I have a feeling it'll be Africa again before then. A moment later, they heard the screams. Two screams. Two people screaming from downstairs, and then a roar of lions. Wendy and Peter aren't in their rooms. No, they've, they've broken into the, the nursery. Those screams, they sound familiar. Uh, yes, awfully. And although their beds tried very hard, the two adults couldn't be rocked to sleep for another hour. The smell of cats was in the night air. Father? Yes? 
Peter looked at his shoes. He never looked at his father anymore, nor at his mother. Uh, father, you aren't going to lock up the nursery for good, are you? Well, it all depends. On what? On you and your sister. If you intersperse this Africa with a little variety, you know, Sweden, perhaps, or Denmark, or China, or... I thought we were free to play as we wished, Father. You are, within reasonable bounds. Well, what's wrong with Africa, Father? Oh, so... So now you admit you have been conjuring up Africa, do you? I wouldn't want the nursery locked up. Ever. As a matter of fact, we're thinking of turning the whole house off for about a month, Peter. We'll live sort of a carefree, one-for-all existence. That sounds dreadful. Would I have to tie my own shoes instead of letting the shoe tear do it and brush my own teeth and comb my hair and give myself a bath? It would be fun for a change, don't you think? No, it would be hard. I didn't like it when you took out the picture painter last month. Well, that's because I wanted you to learn to paint all by yourself, son. I don't want to do anything but look and listen and smell. What else is there to do? All right. Go play in your Africa. Will you shut off the house sometime soon? Well, we're considering it. I don't think you'd better consider it anymore, Father. Am I on time? said David McLean. Breakfast? asked George Hadley. Uh, thanks, I had some. What's the trouble, George? Oh, David, you're a psychologist. I should hope so. Well, then, have a look at the nursery. You saw it a year ago when you dropped by. Did you notice anything peculiar then? I can't say that I did. The usual violences, a tendency toward a slight paranoia here or there, usual in children, because they feel persecuted by parents constantly. But no, George, really uh, nothing. They walked down the hall. I locked the nursery, and the children broke back into it during the night. I let them stay so they could form the patterns for you to see. There was a terrible screaming from the nursery. Well, there it is. See what you make of it. They walked in on the children without rapping. The screams had faded. The lions were feeding. Well, run outside for a few moments, children. No, no don't change the mental combination. Leave the walls as they are. With the children gone, the two men stood studying the lions clustered at a distance, eating with great relish whatever it was they had caught. I wish I... I wish I knew what it was. Sometimes I can almost see you. How long has uh, this been going on, George? Oh, a little over a month. It certainly doesn't feel good. Trust my hunches, my instincts. I have a nose for something bad, George. And this is very bad. My advice to you is to have the whole damn room torn down and your children brought to me every day during the next year for treatment. Is it that bad? I'm afraid so. One of the original uses of these nurseries was so that we could study the patterns left on the walls by the child's mind and study at our leisure and help the child. Well, in this case, however, the room has become a channel toward destructive thoughts instead of a release away from them. Didn't you sense this before? I sensed only that you had spoiled your children more than most. And now you're letting them down, George, in some way. What way? Well, I... I wouldn't let them go to New York. What else? Well, I've taken a few machines from the house and threatened them a month ago with closing up the nursery unless they did their homework. In fact, I, I did close it for a few days to show them I meant business. Aha. Uh -huh. See? Where before they had a Santa Claus, George, now they have a Scrooge. 
children prefer Santas. You've let this room and this house replace you and your wife and your children's affections. This room is their mother and father, far more important in their lives than their real parents, and now you come along and want to shut it off. No wonder there's hatred here. You can feel it coming out of the sky. Feel that sun, George. You'll have to change your life. Like too many others, you've built it around creature comforts. Why, you'd starve tomorrow if something went wrong in your kitchen. You wouldn't know how to tap an egg. Nevertheless, turn everything off and start new. It'll take some time, but we'll make good children out of bad in a year. Wait and see. But won't the, uh, the shock be uh, too much for Peter and Wendy, uh, shutting the room up uh, abruptly for good? I don't want them going any deeper into this, that's all. The lions were finished with their red feast. The lions were standing on the edge of the clearing watching the two men. Yeah, now I, I'm feeling persecuted. Let's get out of here, George. I never have cared for these damned rooms. They make me nervous. The lions look real, don't they? I, I don't suppose there's any, well, any way... What? Well, the way that they could become real. Not that I know of. You know, some flaw in the machinery, uh, tampering, something like that. Now, they went to the door. I don't imagine the room will like being turned off. Nothing ever likes to die, George, even a room. I wonder if it hates me for wanting to switch it off. Uh, paranoia's thick around here today. You can follow it like a spore. Hello. He bent and picked up a bloody scarf. Uh, is this yours? No, no, that belongs to Lydia. They went to the fuse box together and threw the switch that killed the nursery. The two children were in hysterics. They screamed and pranced and threw things. They yelled and sobbed and swore and jumped at the furniture and flung themselves onto a couch, weeping. George, turn on the nursery just for a few moments. You can't be so abrupt. Lydia, it's off and it stays off, and the whole damn house dies as of here and now. The more I see of the mess we'll put ourselves in, the more it sickens me. We've been contemplating our mechanical electronic navels far too long. My God, Lydia, how we need a breath of honest air. And George marched about the house, turning off the voice clocks, the stoves, the heaters, the shoe shiners, the shoe lacers, the body scrubbers, the swabbers, the massagers, and every other machine he could put his hand to. The house was full of dead bodies, it seemed. It felt like a mechanical cemetery, so silent. None of the humming, hidden energy of machines waiting to function at the tap of a button. Don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. Don't let father kill everything. Peter turned to his father. Oh, I, I hate you. Insults won't get you anywhere, Peter. I, I, I wish you were dead. We were for a long while, and now we're going to really start living. Instead of being handled and massaged, we're going to live. Wendy was still crying, and Peter joined her again. Just, just a moment, Father, just one moment, just another moment of nursery. Oh, George, it can't hurt. Well, I don't know just shut up. One minute, one minute, mind you, and then it's off forever. And then we're going on vacation. David McLean's coming back in a half hour to help us move out and get to the airport, and I'm going to dress. You turn the nursery on for a minute, Lydia. Just one minute, mind you. 
The three of them would babbling off while he let himself be vacuumed upstairs through the air flue and set about dressing himself. A minute later, Lydia appeared. Oh, I'll be glad when we get away. Did you leave him in the nursery? I wanted to dress too. Oh, that horrid Africa. What can they see in it? Well, in five minutes we'll be on our way to Iowa. Lord, how did we ever get in this house? What prompted us to buy a nightmare? Pride. <laughs> Money. Foolishness. I think we'd better get downstairs before those kids get engrossed with those damn beasts again. Just then they heard the children calling. Daddy! Mommy, come quick! Come on, quick! Hurry! They went downstairs in the air flue and ran down the hall. The children were nowhere in sight. Wendy! Wendy! Peter! They ran into the nursery. The vault land was empty, save for the lions waiting, looking at them. Peter! Wendy! The door slammed. Wendy! Peter! George Hadley and his wife whirled and ran back to the door. (gasps) Open the door! They've locked it from the outside, Lydia. Peter! Peter! Open up! He heard Peter's voice outside against the door. Don't let him do it. Mr. and Mrs. George Hadley beat at the door. Don't be ridiculous, children. It's time to go. Mr. McLean will be here in a minute and... And then they heard the sounds. The lions on three sides of them and the yellow veldt grass padding through the dry straw, rumbling and roaring in their throats. The lions. Mr. Hadley looked at his wife and they turned and looked back at the beasts edging slowly forward, crouching, tail stiff. Mr. and Mrs. Hadley screamed. And suddenly, they realized why those other screams had sounded familiar. Well, here I am, said David McLean in the nursery doorway. Oh, hello. He stared at the two children, seated in the center of the open glade, eating a little picnic lunch. Beyond them was the water hole in the yellow veldt land. Above was the hot sun. McLean began to perspire. Where are uh, your mother and father? Oh, uh, they'll be here directly. Oh, that's good. Uh, We must get going. At a distance, Mr. McLean saw the lions fighting and clawing and then quieting down to feet in silence under the shady trees. He squinted at the lions with his hand up to his eyes. Now the lions were done feeding. They moved to the water hole to drink. A shadow flickered over Mr. McLean's hot face. Many shadows flickered. The vultures were dropping down the blazing sky. A cup of tea? Asked Wendy in the silence. You've heard The Velt by Ray Bradbury, copyright 1950 by the Curtis Publishing Company. This is Michael Hansen. Joining me for this reading was Carol Cowan. Technical operation for this broadcast by Marsha Phillips. Mindwebs is a production of WHA Radio in Madison, a service of University of Wisconsin Extension.
Mm-hmm. 